Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. back, baby. Yes, it is I, Lyle Swithenbank. This is the Pelican Scoop, a hoop dashboard presentation. I'd like to welcome you all back to our uh, inaugural episode, I suppose, of my NBA off-season. You may have wondered where I disappeared to for the last two or so months. Well, took a bit of time off, had a bit of a look around to change jobs uh, so there was a bit of carry-on involved with that, so that was good fun. Also, there hasn't been that much NBA to talk about. I know all of you Hoop fans out there will be saying, well, the off-season's been exceptional, albeit still in its infancy, although we have had some news on that front, which we'll get to at some point. Uh, today we're going to have a couple of special guests join us um, from the... National World War II Museum, so we'll get to a little chat that I had with them at the end of last week shortly, and that's what I thought, with the, with the off-season shows, they're going to be a little bit different, they might not have as much basketball in them, there's still going to be the the running news, and we'll do a little bit of a recap in the first segment about uh, what happened, I suppose, towards the end of the bubble, uh, what's happened since then, up until now, and uh, then we're going to bring our guests on, we'll have a bit of a chat, of course we will... Uh, plug everything that's going over at Hoopball as well, which you guys can get around. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening, actually, and uh, maybe we'll have a chat about that first up before I, I fire in. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lyle Swithenbank. You can also like the show uh, at Hoopball Pels on Twitter, uh, as well as go and like and subscribe to any of the other hoop ball shows as well. I think we've got just about every team now. There's a fair few, so make sure you go and search them. It's always at hoop ball Mavs or Hawks or Nets or Lakers. Um, so make sure you go and have a look at them as well. Hoop ball Fantasy is the overall site, uh, and make sure you head over to the website as well. It's been rejazzed. It looks uh, very very schmick now, so you can go and find all of the articles and betting and fantasy advice or whatever your heart desires. NBA news. Um, yeah, it's all over there, so go and have a look. Um, what I will plug, and what uh, I think everyone is very, very excited about, is the launch of the Hoopball Paid products. So, there's a fair bit coming out. Uh, this is very, very exciting. It's obviously nearing fantasy season, as we'll get to. Uh, but, but listen up, this is big. On Monday, probably around the time that this show drops, I guess. So after after this weekend, Hoopball's entire portfolio of goodies for the 2020-2021 season is coming out. This is the draft guide, future access pass to the Brewski 150, which is the best, the best draft guide for your fantasy leagues uh, that you can get. 
brand new Fantasy Pass, DFS Pass, Wager Pass, and HoopBall360 membership plan. They're all coming out. It's on Monday. A little more on it. You guys know what the draft guide, the Brewski 150 are. The guide is the best NBA Fantasy Draft resource on earth, as I said. And the Brewski 150 is the single best ranked list every year for the last decade. So if you want to win, you've got to get this, basically. Go and get it. But HoopBall's new subscriptions are what's going to change how you play fantasy. It's going to revolutionize it. You can bet, you can watch, you can watch the NBA, play your fantasy. The Fantasy Pass has a draft guide, Brewski 150, and all of our in-season tools in it. The DFS Pass has lineups and Discord chats. The Wager Pass has winners from the best young handicappers in the industry. You're going to have to have a bit of a break after reading all this. Your mind is going to be blown at extraordinary low monthly rates. So make sure you go and follow at Fantasy on Twitter, as I talked about, for updates, or head to hoop-ball.com and sign up for the email list to make sure you get alerted when it's out. But it is, we're informed, it's going to be dropping on Monday and there's going to be so many updates coming. Uh, all of the tools that we've, all the fantasy players out there have been using, as well as all the uh, the gambling stuff over at uh, Today in Sports Betting. That's where you want to be, guys. Get hold of this. Go and check it out. Um, and get around the whole hoop ball fraternity, I guess. It's a phenomenal little team that they've got over there. And, uh, well, it continues to grow. I say little, but there's a fair few people involved now. And uh, I think we've got some of the best coverage in in fantasy and in the NBA. So make sure you go and do that. I might be biased, but go and do that. In addition, I'll thank our sponsors, mybookie.ag. Phenomenal... Uh, Partners that we have over at HoopBall, use the code uh, HoopBall or today um, when you sign up and you will get a price match. They've got a whole heap of deals over there. Make sure you go and use my bookie for any of your signups or your um, any of your gambling. So make sure you go and do that. In addition, you need to go and support our friends at Manscaped, manscaped.com. Uh, fantastic little operators over there with uh, some great shavers and uh, products for all of your grooming needs, uh, whether it's a cream or an oil or a shaver. The uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 apparently is the top of the range uh, shaver that you can get. It's got a light, it's waterproof, whatever you need, whatever you want, they've got it. So make sure you head over to those guys and support our sponsors. Now, enough housekeeping. We're going to chat pearls. We're going to unpack what's happened in the off-season. So, to recap, we went into the bubble, uh, played the first game against Utah on Friday the 31st of July. Uh, we lost that. Then we played LA. We lost that. We won against Memphis. Lost against SAC. Beat Washington. Lost to San Antonio. Lost to Sacramento. And lost to Orlando. So, in the end, we actually didn't qualify for the playoffs at all. Uh, after all of the hype that was meant to be related to the Pelicans and uh, I suppose their arguably soft schedule is what uh, what we were told and what uh, all the pundits were betting. It was set up for us to succeed and we, we didn't come out and, and play the best that we could have. And unfortunately, uh, it cost us. So, you know, I suppose that's uh, a lesson. We're, we're a young side. I know it was an upheaval um, moving to the bubble and having to settle in there, but unfortunately probably didn't get the results that we were looking for. And I suppose in light of uh, 
the dismal showing in the bubble. Unfortunately, Alvin Gentry was uh, dismissed, as we talked about uh, on my last podcast before I went on my own hiatus. And um, we've landed a new coach. Stan Van Gundy, you know him uh, as the coach of the Magic, the Heat, uh, Detroit Pistons, as well as NBA analyst and uh, social commentator on uh, online and, and on ESPN. Uh, definitely... A guy with a wealth of knowledge. Uh, of knowledge. He um, has above 500 winning record. You know, he turned Dwight Howard and that magic into a uh, into a contender um, back in 2009. I think they made the finals, and really, he revolutionised a bit of this uh, positionless basketball. So for him, adapting to the modern game, I don't think has been too difficult, especially having a year out and being able to watch it. So. He signed a four-year deal. He uh, will be uh, purely the head coach. So in Detroit, he was also the director of basketball operations. And uh, this one is a pure coaching role. So I suppose what we can expect from Mr. Van Gundy, or SVG, stand the man, uh, is a defensive-minded approach. I think there were times throughout this season, especially, that uh, we lost that defensive identity a little bit, especially with Anthony Davis going and then Drew Holiday um having to shoulder most of the defensive load, um, it was pretty apparent that we needed to change the mindset. It was Alvin, while a great coach and a great offensive-minded coach, we could score, we just couldn't stop the other team from scoring. And I think that's something that uh, we should dig in and and change. And it'll be great for a lot of these young guys to uh, really dig in and work on that end of the field. Um, You know, if we get Jackson Hayes' positioning a bit better, you know, um, Josh Hart... We, we know what his defense is like, but if we can take it to another level, again, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, all of these guys could take another step. Zion Williamson on both ends, he's, he's good for a uh, athletic, game-changing uh, swat, but, you know, if we can get those defensive rotations and, and uh, defensive mindset in the first uh, instance, then they can develop into a really, really fun and offensive side and I think, um, you know, defense leads to offense. So if we dig in and do that, well, I think Stan's the guy to lead us. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, yeah. In addition, in the uh, off-season, Drew Holiday won the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, which is well-deserved. Uh, phenomenal uh, accolade for him. He had a great season, and uh, basically that award recognize that it's the league's ideal teammate. So it exemplifies selfless play and commitment to the dedication to his team. Uh, so it's named after Jack Twyman and Maurice Stokes. They played together in Rochester, Cincinnati Royals from 1955 to 1958 until Stokes' career was cut short after he suffered a head injury from a fall during a game against the Lakers. Uh, Twyman became Stokes' legal guardian and advocate Um until 1970 when Stokes died. So, a phenomenal uh, accolade for Drew to win and, and in honour of some uh, some of the greats uh, and some of the selfless people that we, we see around this league and uh, a real testament to his character and what he does around uh, the team. So, all props to Drew for that one. Very, very excited. Uh, staying on the Drew Holiday news, it seems that he is on the trading block I think a lot of us saw this coming. I don't think it's a big surprise to a lot of people. Um, And I don't think there's any animosity or any uh, 
any, uh, I suppose, disappointment in this. You know, I'd love to keep him on the side. But again, if, if Drew gets traded to a contender and he can go and get a ring, well, he deserves it. You know, he's been an absolute professional champion the whole time and, uh, you know, winning the awards, being an all-star, all-defensive player, uh, contest or contender every year. So, you know, I honestly think good for Drew. If they can get him over there and we can get some good return for him, well, all the better for us. So, um, yeah, not mad about that at all. Um, Griff came out and said uh, that they were having conversations about it as to whether or not it'll happen. Well, that'll be something for the front office to work out. And uh, and again, if he gets traded, he gets traded. If he doesn't, well, we'll keep him in that. Uh, He'll be phenomenal uh, leading the young side for another year. So, uh, yeah, we're happy with that. But all the best to Drew, and hopefully we get to keep him. But uh, if he does go, well, thank you, Drew Holiday, for everything that you've done. Now, I suppose the biggest news coming out, and this is only in probably yesterday, I think it came out, was uh, the NBA Players Association has voted to commence the season on 22 December, which will give us a 79-day off-season, will be the shortest in pro sports history. Um, NBA's coming back. They're going to do a 72-game season, um, which should finish us before June, uh, so that they can go and play in the Olympics, uh, for anyone that would like to do that, which has been rescheduled to next year. This is great news. We're going to be straight back into it, but what it does mean is that we are... Go, go, go until the end of the season. The draft will be coming up in, I think, two weeks. And then after that, training camp's open. Free agency opens just after the draft, as well as the trades. Um, It's going to be hectic. It's going to be an absolute flurry. So we'll be right here trying to keep uh, you all up to date as all Pell's news. Um, You know, I know they're looking at some some interesting guys uh, with their upcoming draft picks. So that'll be good to add another young piece, or if we can flip it. And, uh, and get a veteran pre- presence, that'll also be pretty good and uh, might help us with developing some of these guys a bit quicker. So, pretty exciting, really. Um, yeah, we're going to have Christmas Day basketball, which is always one of the best. I mean, in Australia, that's our boxing day, so you get up at about 3 in the morning and watch right through to about 9 o'clock in the morning until uh, we get some cricket on after that. So, um, feel free to Google that if you haven't heard what cricket is. But um, you... We're all very lucky, I think. I think we're all so lucky in this world that, uh, in this crazy, crazy world that we've had in this year, that I suppose um, to date that we're getting live sports and that uh, these guys are willing to put their bodies on the line and, and get back to work and, and keep a season going. You know, at the end of the day, this is an entertainment business. Yeah, it's a sport as well, but at the end of the day, they make their money from sponsors, from fans. This is where it comes from. So for them to get out there and and go back to work when they've barely had a rest, they're in a bubble um, for, what, three months, you know, it's a testament to them and we appreciate what they've done, I suppose, for the fans and and for the NBA and, you know, for all those guys that have a vested interest in it. Um, Yeah, props to you guys. So uh, thanks for organising all of that. Uh, Now, enough of my carry-on. This is the interview that I've been very, very excited to have. Um, spoke to them on Friday. It's, it's on Zoom, so we'll do a brief introduction, and then uh, the sound quality may drop a little bit. We'll try our best to sort that out. Uh, 
Otherwise, very, very excited. All the way from New Orleans, World War II Museum, the National World War II Museum. I am joined by Kim Guys and Colin Mackinson. Now, Kim Guys is the Assistant Director for Curatorial Services and Colin is he's the Assistant Director of Education Curriculum at the World War II Museum. How are you going, guys? Hi there. Good. Thanks for having us. Oh, no, it's all my pleasure. Um, as we were talking off air, this is uh, the, the first of my off-season, I'm going to call them. Um, so it's a real pleasure to have both of you on here and, uh, and spend your time chatting with me and all of our, all of our guests. I know they'll be very excited to, to hear from you both. Um, can you give us a bit of a background as, as to what your roles are at the, at the World War II Museum? Sure, I'll start. So I work in our curatorial services department as the assistant director for curatorial services. And essentially I'm a curator plus. <laughs> I work a lot with our collection, um, with the, art, the museum's artifacts. So we have around 250,000 objects in the collection and quite a nice archive that grows daily. We're still receiving material from World War II um, to help us tell the story of the American experience in World War II. And I work very closely with that material. A lot of the material that we receive is directly from either veterans or the families of American veterans. So it's personal material that we'll, we are receiving. And so that's pretty exciting work. And uh, I'm the Assistant Director of Education for Curriculum, and I uh, work in our Museum's Media and Education Center. And I work primarily with teachers and students. So uh, uh, using some of the collection material, artifacts, oral histories uh, that Kim and her side of the museum specialize in to you know, help teachers bring World War II content to life in their classrooms to hopefully keep students both locally here in New Orleans, but then nationally around the country interested in the story of World War II. If we think about sort of that gap of time is only going to keep widening uh, from World War II 75, 80 years ago now to students who are mostly growing up without uh, a living connection to World War II. I know when I was growing up, when you know you were supposed to talk to a World War II veteran, you, know, you talked to anybody, they were everywhere, your postman, your next door neighbor, your grandma, your grandpa, and that's not the case anymore. So as it further recedes in time away, uh, we wanna make sure it stays uh, relevant um, by giving teachers material to work with, but then also exciting stuff from the collection, uh, really cool uh, artifacts, um, oral histories to hear, even though if a veteran may be gone, they can still tell, tell their story through oral histories from our collection. So hopefully keeping uh, the World War II story alive and, um, and no, it's sort of counter to that narrative of you know, kids today don't care about history. There's, we have thousands of, of, of kids uh, that we connect with through thousands of classrooms who really, really have a rabid interest uh, in World War II history. So I think it's in pretty good hands for the future. Yeah, it sounds, um, that sounds phenomenal. And I think you hit the nail on the head that it is, I suppose, the gap is widening. Um, you lose that connection. I know in Australia, World War II and World War I, um, I think everyone can sort of trace their heritage back towards that uh, towards that um, sort of era. But again, there's a whole generation now that, I mean, I think I caught the last, probably few, I think the last World War, few World War II veterans um, that Australia has um, 
in my, I suppose, youth, and I know growing up in my country town, we had a whole heap of uh, World War II veterans that have long gone, but um, the stories that you hear from them are just phenomenal. And I think uh, you can't recreate that. I don't think there's ever going to be an experience again that was quite like World War One, World War Two, and and the experiences and, and the stories and the anecdotes that come out of that and the memorabilia and the, I suppose everything that comes out of it uh, is just unable to be uh, to recreate it. Um, so what was the the premise behind putting the World War Two Museum in New Orleans? Was there a basis as to why it was that was the place? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Go, go ahead. This, this is good. It's like it's, a, it's like a quiz on the history of the museum. If, if we get these questions wrong, they'll they'll, they'll kick us out and get us fired. So uh, I'm gonna like put Kim put put Kim on the front line for this. <laughs> so the we are the National World War II Museum, and yes, we we do. Um, that's one of the most frequently asked questions. You're in New Orleans. Why are you not? You're not in Washington D.C. And no, we're in New Orleans. We were founded in 2000 as the National D-Day Museum. So our founder um, was the writer and historian Stephen Ambrose, and he was based at the University of New Orleans at the time. And what the museum has grown into was really his, um, I guess, his his dream. And so his a lot of his work focused on the Normandy invasion and the um, individual and institution that made um, a lot of that invasion and other invasions possible. And that's Higgins Industries, uh, an outfit that was here in New Orleans that employed around 20,000 individuals and built around 20,000 different um, watercraft for the US Navy. So the museum was founded as the D-Day Museum here in New Orleans in 2000, opened in 2000. Um, we received the congressional designation as the National World War II Museum in 2004. And that was due in large part to our um, supporters um, many of whom were World War II veterans in the federal government at the time who really, um, you know, stood behind the museum, the idea of the museum, and um, supported that congressional designation. So that's a little bit of the evolution of the museum, but we're still growing into what, um, into the, the real national presence um, that is, I believe, larger than even Stephen Ambrose dreamed. Yeah, for some of the locals here, uh, they still kind of colloquially refer to us, some do, as the, oh, the D-Day Museum, right? It's like, and so there are still some signs and remnants of that, but like Kim said, we went from a museum responsible for telling the story of one day in the history of World War II to a museum responsible for telling the story of every day in all theaters uh, and the home front in World War II. So the mission has expanded, as has the campus. So yeah. If anyone you know listening who's had a chance to visit us, great. But uh, if you haven't visited us in a few years, uh, the campus has probably grown since you've last visited. So uh, we've had to you know really really uh, expand uh, our scope of our exhibits uh, and uh, really putting a lot of you know sort of up to date uh, immersive uh, exhibitry uh, in there as well. And those uh, boats and crafts that Kim were referring to for listeners who may not be familiar, if you've seen sort of, I don't know, the opening scenes and, you know, Saving Private Ryan, that 
small little craft with the ramp that opens up on the beach. Uh, that's the sort of the colloquial known as the Higgins boat, uh, even though Higgins Industries made a lot of other craft as well. But uh, that's kind of iconic craft. Um, uh, Stephen Ambrose interviewed uh, former uh, uh, President Dwight Eisenhower. He said, oh, those are the boats that won the war for us. So this idea of uh, having a museum to tell the story of both the D-Day invasions and then sort of the craft that made it possible, it seemed uh, only appropriate to have that here in New Orleans. That's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, well, there's a, a lot deeper reason to it than, um, than uh, face value. So, I mean, that's uh, that's really interesting. I mean, I was there in 2017. I was overwhelmed by the size um, of the museum. You walk in and you, I don't know if it's still like that, but they had the aeroplanes in the in the opening, uh, um, I suppose, foyer. And and from there, it just was re-immersed, I suppose, into each uh, different area um, and, and different front. And um, just the, I suppose, detail and effort that goes into those exhibits. It's just it is. It's phenomenal. And if you're down there or you're heading there, go and have a look because it's um, it's definitely worth a worth a look. Uh, how did both of you get into working at the uh, the World War Two Museum? Was there a, a story related to that, or was it just? Hmm. Um, I am from New Orleans, so I am extremely lucky in that it's you know a, a lot of factors came together with getting with my getting here, um, but I have a background in German and German history, uh, German language and culture, and in um, library and information science. So I work a lot with the museum's archival material and um, have been with the museum for 12 years. So I've seen a lot of the growth and taken on a lot of the material. So it was, um, yeah, it, I'm really fortunate that the museum is in my hometown. So perfect alignment there. Yeah, she's a, one of the rare uh, native New Orleanians, so a, a, a rare, a rare find uh, as well. I, <laughs> I, uh, my whole family's teachers. Uh, my mom, my dad, both my grandmothers, uh, my uncle, my sister. Uh, so, uh, you know, education was something I, I grew up with. I grew up in the, you know, underneath my parents' desks after school. Uh, so I, uh, and I always liked history, but I, I, I went to school for history, but I didn't quite uh, know that you know there was options to teach or present or explore histories from outside of the classroom. And I started working in museums in 2006 in different types of um, doing hands-on education at science centers. And uh, no, about 10 years ago, there was an opening here uh, in, in New Orleans and I applied and I'm still waiting for someone to say it's been a giant prank at my expense uh, that, you know, that, uh, that they let me work here, but I, I feel real privileged to do so. But yeah, also it, it's again, it's talking about, I think you mentioned at the start about how that World War II experience is, is really universal. You know, it's, it's everyone had a connection, a familial connection of, you know, both my grandfathers, you know, you know who served, you know, and then all of their extended family. So it, it, it's, it's definitely something that's personal as well. And I think that's probably true for Kim as well. Yeah, I think we both gravitate and a lot of our colleagues here gravitate to the stories, mm -hmm. the stories of the war, the stories of individual experiences and how to um, collect those, how to document and catalog those 
and how to bring them to the public of all ages. Oh, I'm sure it's just an absolute uh, experience. Every time you get something new coming, you go, oh, what's this? And document through it and, and the stories and associated with it. Is there anything that you've ever received that came in uh, or that was donated, I suppose, to the museum that was like, that stuck with you, that was the best thing you've ever seen or the most interesting or... Oh, yeah, I mean, I could, it's yeah. the thing that, that came in today, you know, I mean, every single day I, I find something or rediscover something exciting. Um, so I specialize in the prisoner of war experience and there is so much exciting material that we have in our collection related to that particular experience of American POWs in World War II, both in Europe and the Pacific. And in particular, things that they made, that they created, handmade items that they made either for recreational purposes or to make their lives a little easier. So whether it's a pair of denim gloves, that were um, a, a pair of gloves made by an American POW in Japan who had to um, unload truckfuls of coal. So he made these fashion, these denim gloves to make his work a little bit easier. Um, you know, so we have those gloves in the collection. They're still coal stained, you know, they're barely held together, you know, full of holes. Um, but amazing material. Then we also have a um, violin that was made in Stalagluft one in northern Germany by an American pilot POW. So, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful craftsmanship. You would never know that this was made in a POW camp. But those are, you know, some of the, the items that I gravitate towards. Um, and we also have, you know, incredible items from women and we're receiving another collection shortly from um, a wasp. So a flight jacket from a woman pilot, you know, just some really unique material, but it comes in every day. I hear about something new that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not as common anymore, uh, and certainly in this you know, new you know, pandemic environment, uh, but it's always awesome too to be able to meet the, the families or family members, people who've donated things or had things on display because we're really, you know, at a museum taking on the pledge to be the caretakers of these materials and these stories, you know, in perpetuity. And uh, it makes, make, it makes you feel good uh, uh, when you can show off something, uh, you know, or, 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 you know, when a veteran or a home front worker or someone is walking through the door, I know they, they, they've talked about how they feel like, you know, superstars or like movie stars because people want to rush over and talk to uh, these people and want to, get their autograph or get their picture taken with them. You know, people they don't know, people they just met or they spoke to for about five minutes. So um, I'm happy those opportunities still exist, but I'm also happy that um, when those people have passed, uh, their stories and the materials will still live here and live on. It's, it's honestly like from an outside looking in, it's quite admirable like what the, the museum is doing to be able to keep that, those stories going on. And, and I suppose you become almost the custodian of the, uh, you know, the war, I guess. And, and what an awesome experience being able to, I suppose, get the first hand insight as to each 
artifact and, and, and the stories from the, from the families. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm almost lost the words, honestly. That is just, that sounds awesome. It really does sound awesome. Um, I'm a bit of a history nut and I, yeah, I love all that sort of stuff. So for me, I'm sitting there sort of fangirling over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, has it changed much? I don't know if you keep a fairly uh, a succinct timeline, I guess, but I mean, I was there 2017. Has it expanded since then? Yeah, if, uh, it changes a bit. If, if, uh, you know, if people you know visiting, you know, when when things calm down a bit, it's you know, New Orleans. There's not, there's never a, a lack of things to do or places to go or places to stay. But you know, the museum uh, since 2017 was it 2019? Was it last year that we um, we hear a lot from people at the museum that it's kind of overwhelming. It's a it's a lot to see, a lot to take in in a, in a full day. You don't have to do that anymore because now. Directly across the museum, we have uh, the museum's own uh, hotel. Uh, we've opened up a, a hotel, uh, the Higgins Hotel, uh, right across the street from the museum where you can stay uh, and explore the museum. It's also a great jumping off point to the French Quarter or the Lower Garden District, uh, ride the streetcar wherever you want, hop, skip and jump away from a lot of great restaurants. Uh, lightly World War II themed. Uh, there's no like barbed wire or camouflage wallpaper or anything but you know it has a cool world war ii feel to it so uh since 2017 i'd say that's the 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 main uh addition uh that's been made mm -hmm. i think was arsenal democracy open then maybe i don't know, I don't know either yeah. <laughs> and well that's where i'll come and stay next time so <laughs> when next time i'm over i'll be doing that when the uh, when the world calms down a little bit and um sure. I suppose more generally, and we'll take a step back, um, New Orleans, well, the whole world's been hit with this COVID-19. It's been, yeah, I suppose, unlike anything we've ever seen, I think, especially, I know in Australia, we got hit with, it. I think, the most uh, comparisons drawn was to the Spanish flu back in the, in the 20s or even earlier. Um, and how has is, how is New Orleans particularly coped with that? Has there been, uh, um, I suppose, lockdowns or anything like that? enforced and how does that affect the museum? Well the museum was closed for a period of, of time for a, a few months um, from mid-March until the end of May. So we were able to reopen to visitors to the public um, on Memorial Day, um, May 28th. Um, and so that's when we reopened and were able to welcome visitors again. Um, of course, our visitation is nowhere near um, what it was. So for the, today's visitors, um, who of course have to wear a, a mask in our galleries, um, it's quite nice because the galleries are not that crowded, <laughs> um, which is you know good for distancing. Um, but not necessarily great for business. And I think, you know, um, New Orleans with it, our wealth of cultural institutions and um, other entities related to the tourism industry, um, the pandemic has been you know, pretty devastating for, for musicians, for um, restaurateurs, for anyone who um, works in the hospitality industry, so, and sports. <laughs> so, 
you know, for all on all of those levels, it's it's been pretty tough going in New Orleans. Do you have anything to add? No, it's. I think we were, you know, uh, we we were early on in the pandemic. New New Orleans was sort of in one of the real sort of you know hotbeds. Uh, but I, I'm, and New Orleans definitely has a you know a reputation of you know sort of marching to its own beat or uh, doing things a bit differently than other parts of the country. But I, I'm I'm proud of of the fact that you know. New Orleans and the greater New Orleans region took it very seriously and uh, and you know we're still being very very cautious in terms of things opening up uh, uh, monitoring uh, it, it, you know you see I don't know it's it, it maybe in you know other other parts of uh, the world it, it's not uh, as intensive here but yeah here people are definitely playing it safe uh, and I'm very very glad of that um, it's it's definitely people are being being cautious but you know finding ways to you know, go about their lives as best they can. Yeah, I think that's all we can do is it's all uncharted waters and the fact that um, you, you do feel for the, yeah, like you said, the musicians, the, the restaurateurs, hospitalities, and, and the thing that makes New Orleans, I suppose, it has its own heartbeat almost, you know, um, and, and to take that away, I, I've seen photos and you see they're going, I walk down there, you know, there's usually hundreds of thousands of people walking around and um, yeah, it's a, Hopefully we can all band together and get this sorted and, and yeah, and just get back to some sort of normalcy. But it's good that it was, I suppose, the museum was closed only, I suppose, for a couple of months and then was able to then implement social distancing and the like and be able to, to move on from there. I suppose, otherwise, it's been hurricane season from... <laughs> oh, yeah, we had that too. <laughs> now, one thing to another... Um, that's unbelievable. Every time I check the news, it seems to be another, <laughs> another one hitting. Um, has, I ran out of names. <laughs> so we're down to Greek uh, letters in the Greek alphabet. So it's, we've, we've definitely been overserved uh, as far as you know, hurricanes go this season. We need to be cut off by someone. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, but the last one only just hit last week, I think, from memory. And um, is there any more expected? Or hopefully you can, you'll get a break for a little bit. <laughs> There is one out in the Gulf of Mexico currently. Um, do you know the current forecast? It's, it's, it, it, went, it slammed into Central America. It's a really powerful storm and did a lot of damage there and then spun off back out into the, uh, towards Cuba and Florida. And it may yet spin back out into the Gulf, but uh, it looks significantly weakened, you know, you knock on wood. But it's uh, eat Ita, Ita. I don't know my Greek, uh, so uh, you know it's it's whatever the one after Zeta is. So yeah, we'll no, you'll, be, you'll be testing me there. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, if you guys could just catch a break, that'd be <laughs> that'd be great. You'd be able to have a bit of a go. But um, you, I assume both of you are still living in in New Orleans and and working there. And um, if you were to if someone was to come in and it's all gone back to normal, where would you take a visitor um, on a day trip, I suppose, for, uh, for New Orleans, if you, if you were to show them around and what would be the ideal day? Okay, so this is if once everything is over and we're magically transported yeah. back, right? Um. <laughs> <Play of plans. laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so I think I, I tend to focus with visitors on um, three major you know categories i guess food of course um being one of those categories food music is another and then the outdoors so 
even when, even if it's summer and it's super hot and sweaty, that's part of the environment, right? So um, I like to take visitors to one of our beautiful parks. Um, I live very close to City Park and it's a giant park with, even after the hurricane, there are still lots of beautiful old oak trees with um, Spanish moss hanging down. It's very um, picturesque and um, it's also the site of the New Orleans Museum of Art and the New Orleans, uh, they have a sculpture garden that is just beautiful, the New Orleans Botanical Garden. So it's a, an enormous park with lots to offer. So I usually take visitors there. The sculpture garden at the New Orleans Museum of Art is one of my favorite places in the city and they've recently expanded. So um, that's definitely on my list. Uh, in terms of music, I think, you know, you have to see some kind of live music here in New Orleans. And it's hard to avoid, even during COVID, some musicians have started doing porch parties. So you'll walk through neighborhoods and people will be on their porches, you know, with a, an upright piano or with, you know, a... a what you know, have the, you. The kid holding the iPad or the iPhone, you know, live streaming to somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's brought about some very, you know, innovative ways of bringing the New Orleans music, uh, you know, to the world. But I think musicians, not only are they, you know, um, hurting for gigs, you know, financially, I think it's just also, they want to play for people, you know, starved for that attention and for community. So um, seeing some kind of live music and there are tons of venues to choose from, you know, lots of outdoor venues even. So um, there's a place called the Music Box, Music Box Village. And it's a really neat um, outdoor, um, interactive um, environment where live concerts are staged. And, um, and so that I heard they're just reopening. So they're able to have music outside. It's starting to be really nice. I mean, hurricanes aside right now, it's pretty nice outside in New Orleans. So, you know, it's cool. Um, but yeah, so seeing some kind of live music and then of course eating some terrific food. Um, so whether it's, uh, you know, boiled seafood, of course, is high on my list. Um, but also, you know, if you're in the summertime, um, snowballs, snow cones, shaved ice, you know, that kind of thing is another New Orleans hit. Yeah, any of those that Kim mentioned. And then, yeah, if you're in City Park, you're, you're also a quick stroll away from, you know, Bayou St. John, it's a really, really pretty place to, you know, get, have a drink, uh, you know, uh, have something to eat, uh, just hang out. Uh, uh, I've, and then by if, uh, City Park or really throughout the city, I've, I've, uh, I've always like to take people to, you know, one of the sort of iconic, you know, New Orleans uh, cemeteries. Uh, uh, New Orleans does burials, you know, much different than, you know, parts of the country. So uh, it's, you know, all above ground, you know, tombs, cenotaphs and sarcophaguses. So um, and some of them very old uh, with some really, really uh, a whole language of funereal artwork and design that if you know what you are looking for, you can sort of uh, tell, uh, you know, 
you know, who the person was, what fraternal organizations they belong to, what family they belong to. It's really, really fascinating. It's not as like goth as it sounds, like wandering around the cemetery. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's a history walk and a history tour in and of itself. And then if, if whenever you visit New Orleans as a, as a big, it's a party town, it's a, it's a big festival town. So um, really uh, whenever you visit, uh, as long as it's not the blistering hot, like July and August, Almost every other weekend, there's a, a music or food or music and food festival. Uh, so there's the big ones, you know, like French Quarter Fest, Jazz Fest, like in the springtime. But there's, you know, turn up any any weekend, there'll be, you know, oh, there's a fried chicken festival. Oh, there's a po' boy festival. Oh, there's a, you know, a, you know. Blues and barbecue festival. Yeah, so it's, it's a, any excuse to, yeah, to indulge, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I didn't mention the drinks. Yeah. There, there are drinks <laughs> yeah. here, too, in New Orleans. Might, you know, might have heard. <laughs> Yeah, no, I experienced those firsthand. Um, when, when I was down there, we were there for uh, Voodoo Fest, which, um, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. really good fun, yeah. Um, I think that was, uh, would have been middle of October, I think, or end of October, uh -huh. I think. Um, yeah, that was that was unlike a music festival I've ever been to before. That was that was awesome. That was really good fun. Um, and that's in City Park, too, with the beautiful yeah, oak trees. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's why it's just a... Yeah, spot on venue there as well. It is just the great space to to hold that. And um, yeah, unfortunately, you didn't get to see it without the music festival sitting on it. But uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was very nice. Um, so it is a Pelicans podcast. Um, so I might have to. Are either of you follow the Pelicans? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, if, and, if, and one of the great things about you know coming to the museum is you know it's come experience the museum for the day, and you I mean you can take a pedicab or a, you know lift or uber or walk you know to the smoothie king center it's a, it's it's not that far at all yeah it's pretty great to like just get off of work and walk down the street yeah. and go watch a basketball game yeah for sure <laughs> Yeah, we stayed, I think we were just around the corner. We stayed at the Quisby, which was just around, I think it's a uh, backpack, it's just around the, uh, or the hostel, but uh, around the corner from from the uh, museum and, and the Smoothie King Centre. I think we walked down there. It wasn't too far from memory. I don't know, it was a while ago now. But um, the season that was, weird season, really, really weird season. All of a sudden we're, we're firing up, we're in the middle of January and bang, we're, we're on hold. And then uh, all of a sudden, we're off to Florida and we're playing there. Did, did you follow it closely or um, are you more casual fans? No, I've, 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 I definitely watched and I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, Zion's here and it, it's, it's, I'm hopeful. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've had, uh, you know, sort of at least one sort of, you know, generational, you know, superstar, you know, talent and Anthony Davis, but we had Chris Paul too earlier and during the Hornets and, I'm hoping, you know, this time that they're going to really, you know, do what they didn't really do for AD or, or, or Chris Paul, and that's sort of build around them. I mean, we had a couple of good playoff runs uh, with, with AD uh, here, you know, like the 2018 uh, playoffs when we swept the Trailblazers, which is, you know, insane. Uh, but hopefully they do build around Zion. We have Stan Van Gundy, who, you know, I, I'm excited about. I, I I think Alvin, Alvin Gentry liked the city. I think he liked living here. We would see him out at things a lot. Uh, and I think he liked the team. Uh, I, I, I think he'd done about as much as he could do. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to see sort of that changing of the guard and, uh, and have Stan, the superior Van Gundy, uh, 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 in, in charge. But no, I, I, like, the, I like the team. I, I like uh, 
the Zion, obviously, and you know, some of the, the young players, you know, Jackson Hayes, uh, Nikhil. I hope we keep Lonzo. Uh, uh, B.I. Is a, is, a, is a budding superstar, uh, you know, most improved player, not for any reason. Um, I know Drew um, has obviously put in his time. He's been a great teammate and a great asset to the, the Pelicans. Perpetually slept on, underrated uh, as a defender. Um, if whatever everyone's saying is true, that he's maybe up for you know being traded somewhere. I hope he goes to a contender that it can get him get him a ring and get him a championship before he's done because he's he's it's that's always one of the highlights too of going to the games. The Smoothie King Center is a great venue because you you you're, there's not a bad seat in the place, but like him and his seeing him and his uh, his wife with uh, his uh, with his daughter like uh like running around yeah. the floor it's always really cool to 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 see but now it's there's hope uh and hopefully they do build around uh what they have in Zion and that was talk about a party during the the draft you know when they announced it i mean that was like people on the street you know just you know it was so so energetic and so so happy Kim, do you have any thoughts or what do you think? Oh, I was just thinking about the Smoothie King Center and the last time I was there was last week because I voted there. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) it was a site of early voting in New Orleans. And I said, okay, I have to go and vote in the presidential election at the Smoothie King Center. This is, you know, pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that's great, hated it's up really, as well, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great place to, it's a great place to, you know, catch a game. They have, you know, they, they have really good social media. Their giveaways are good. They're, you know, I, the Saints are, you know, the big team here in town. But you know, not to, you know, sort of talk bad about them, but the, the Pelicans merchandise is a million times better. There's like new stuff in the store every time you go. Uh, they have good branded stuff, good giveaways. I mean, it's it's, and definitely it's, it's I don't know it's. It's 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 fun, but it's you know it's definitely a place where you can you can you can go with your buddies, or you can you can take your you can take your your family with like young kids. Like it's super super family friendly in there. It isn't a really accessible, easy, um, fun time. Yeah, that's Whereas great. Whereas it's it's a big financial investment. You know, it's a big time investment. It's it can be, it's much more intimidating um, than a Pelicans game, which is fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, we went to a Saints game um, when we were over there and that was, it's like walking into another world, isn't it? You get in there and it's just, it's on. And you sit there, it was awesome. And I think they, they ended up beating the uh, Chicago Bears at the time, I think, um, that day. And I just remember a bloke behind me just yelling, go Bears, the whole time. I was like, I've picked the wrong seats. I don't know how I've managed this, but uh, I've picked the one Bears supporter in the whole place. But, um, yeah, in in terms of the Pelicans, um, I think the future's bright. I I honestly think Stan Van Gundy, I I echo what you say, um, is a good defensive-minded coach. I think um, he's had a couple of years away to have a look and, and analyse the game and, and I suppose evolve his own coaching style. So that'll be good. Um, I mean, Zion's transcendent talent. If they can keep him healthy and, and get a full season out of this guy, I think everyone's going to be blown away as to what we can see and, and what's going to be coming out of uh, yeah out of out yeah, of his production. My only yeah, my only wish is yeah, it's just it's it's the same thing almost for the Saints. I just wish we. I wish we were in a different division because this division is not going to get any easier. None of these teams are going away. 
you know, and they're all, you know, the the Mavericks have, have Luca to build around, the Grizzlies have John Morant to build around, you know, the Rockets are not going away at all. So it's, it, there's no easy road into the, the, the postseason, uh, you know, for the Pelicans. So they really got to use their assets wisely because all those teams are, all those teams are tough. Absolutely. I mean, the West, I think from one through to about, I don't know, probably all the way through, I, I think every night's pretty tough. Um, the division particularly uh, is just, yeah, there'd be a nightmare to play there, come up against those teams every night. But, you know, they held their own. They managed to make it into the bubble after a pretty up-down year, I suppose. And um, unfortunately, probably not the result everyone was looking for in, in the bubble, a bit lackluster. But, um, you know, it's 2020, I suppose. And I've been saying that, that a bit. I've moved, <laughs> you know, what, what can you do? I, expect the unexpected is, is, is what I've learned. Um, I'd just like to thank you both for, for coming on, honestly. It's just been it's been awesome to talk to you both. And again, I'm I'm gonna to go to work today and just be like, yeah, look at I spoke to you, it's awesome. So good. <laughs> um so I'd really yeah, love to thank you both for for taking your time out of your, your Thursday afternoon to, to have a chat to me and yeah, looking forward to uh, to getting over there and having a look and seeing all that's changed and uh, staying at the Higgins Hotel and we'll be yeah, yeah we'll be locked in. Great. Yeah. Get a get a drink, see see Zion, and uh, get a get him a win. Indeed. Yeah, happy hour at Rosie's on the roof is on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that one. I appreciate it. That's great. All right, guys, thank you very very much. So, what an absolute treat that was to have uh, both Kim and Colin on to have a chat with us. I uh, honestly, when they said yes, no, we're happy to have a chat with you. I was absolutely over the moon. As we've talked about in previous episodes, I've always wanted this to be more than just a uh, New Orleans Pelicans podcast. It's, it's a celebration of New Orleans, and, and by chatting to people around the community who are involved in things like the National World War II Museum, different tourist attractions, um, it gets a message out. As soon as we can travel and we can get over to different places, head down there and go and visit our friends at, uh, at the National World War II Museum. Phenomenal place, um, a whole heap of history, and, and for other history nuts like myself, um, it is absolutely I can't miss so make sure you go and do that guys look at the time it's flowing through again we've had a great time and again I'd like to thank uh, Colin and and Kim for joining us today on the show Uh, phenomenal for them to give us up they'll give up their time for us and uh, and share a bit of knowledge so I think I might leave it at that I'll be giving you regular updates uh, of all the Pels news on Twitter as well as on the weekly podcast. I'll be committing to that going forward. Uh, I think that's a, a reasonable outcome and uh, everyone feel free to provide feedback if you'd like a little bit more. But as always, I'm Lyle Swithenbank. This is a Pelican Scoop at Hoopball Pels on Twitter, at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. Like, subscribe, share, whatever you want to do. I'll speak to you next time. Bye for now. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.